I was a kid, one of my dreams was to see the Harlem Globetrotters live and in person. My dad had always told me about when he had saw the Harlem Globetrotters as a kid and their unique combination of skills, athleticism, and, and comedy. He talked to me about Metal Arc Lemon and the half-court hook shots and all that. And each and every time they would come through town, I'd see their advertisements on TV and I'd want to go. But for whatever reason, it never worked out. And, you know, I, I was always missing out. Well, a few years ago, trying to figure out what to get my dad for Christmas, I had a brilliant idea. Tickets to go see the Harlem Globetrotters. They were coming to the Broomfield Event Center, so I bought a couple tickets for both of us. So later that – it was later that spring. Uh, Dad and I went to Broomfield. We got into the Event Center, and I was pretty excited to be honest. I was pretty excited. I've been waiting you know, to see these world-famous Harlem Globetrotters like my entire life. And it was, it was a lot of fun at the start. But truth be told, while it was entertaining at the beginning, eventually the, the shtick wore off, if, if you know what I mean. I mean, I already knew it was going to happen, right? The Globetrotters were going to win. The outcome was predetermined. And interestingly enough, throughout the years, this team known as the Washington Generals has been the, the regular opponent of the, of the Trotters, existing almost entirely to, to be the fool for the Globetrotters' success. According to one report I read, uh, the, the Generals have lost 16,000 games to the Globetrotters only winning record reportedly one time. So for me, at least, knowing the outcome was predetermined, it made me less interested in seeing how it would play out. And I'll say sitting in the nosebleed seats didn't help so much either. And perhaps that's what makes the Globetrotters so unique. Despite the certainty of the outcome, they're able to entertain millions of fans every year. Telling a story which people already know in a unique and new way is hard. I mean, just ask Hollywood. Every year, it seems, new remakes, remakes of old movies come out. And probably probably just as often as those remakes are a hit, it's almost equally as likely that those same movies are going to be a flop. It's hard to keep people interested in a story they already know They've already heard, they already know the outcome too. It's, it's sort of like preaching on Easter, <laughs> Easter Sunday. I mean, I've got enough of these. I've done enough of these. I've got enough of these under my belt uh, to know how hard it is. Not only is it like the pinnacle of the Christian story, the Christian year, uh, but it's also m the most likely time to have new and returning guests and family coming to your church to see you on Easter. And all these new people, obviously, you want to impress as the pastor uh, so to get them to come back again. And, and preaching a rousing and inspiring Easter message is one of the best ways to do that. So there's a lot of pressure, and it's hard sometimes, uh, to preach a good sermon when we already know what's coming. We know how the story ends, right? I remember one Easter a few Easter's back, I was at a small church and we did two Easter services. We did a, a sunrise service and then like a 1030 service. And after the early service, I gathered up all the bulletins to get them so we could reuse them for the next service. And 
someone in the audience had taken notes on the back of the bulletin and left it in the pew. And basically I saw all their notes, their family members just gripping my sermon and knew what about how, how terrible it was. So it was, it was challenging. I had to, I had to rally myself to give another same sermon to a new crowd, hoping that they would be a little more impressed than the previous crowd. But, but seriously, as, as powerful and incredible as the basics of the story are, if we have any familiarity with Christianity whatsoever, we know the gist. Jesus died a gruesome death. He's, he's buried for three days. And then after three days, he rises again. You know, it's a wonderful story, but we kind of know what happens, right? But this year, this Easter, as much as we've heard the story a million times, as much as we can predict the pastor's sermon before he or she preaches it, this year we find ourselves in the midst of a story we have no idea how it's going to end. For about the past month, we've been in this unpredictable, or we've seen our predictable and conventional life completely thrown out the window, and we've been thrown for an absolute leap. Kids out of school, workplaces shut down, told to stay home. The story of our lives that we've been writing for ourselves is now being completely rewritten, and we don't know how it's going to end. And that's a really scary place to be. No less than a month ago, like me, you were probably finalizing plans for your kids' spring break. Or maybe you're rallying with your coworkers to finish a big project hoping for a promotion. Or maybe you're saving up for a big life goal. And now that's, it's all out the window. The money you saved up for that house or that car or that vacation now has to cover your expenses likely for the foreseeable future. Or the big project at work is on hold and you're just hoping they don't lay anyone else off. Or your kids are at home with you 24-7 and you're, you're pulling your hair out. They're driving you crazy. The story we're writing for ourselves, the story we planned out, it's no more, and we don't know what to do. And it's in times like these that we often feel like, like we're on a long, winding road to nowhere, not knowing anywhere where we're going. That's in fact where two travelers found themselves many years ago, right after the unexpected crucifixion and death of Jesus. Now, as much as the story of the death and resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus is familiar to us and predictable to us, it was as shocking and unexpected to the early followers of Jesus much as the coronavirus pandemic is unexpected to us today. Despite the early and repeated warnings of Jesus, so many of his followers were not hearing it. They weren't hearing it. 
In their minds, the story was already written. Jesus would be the hero, their revolutionary leader who would overthrow the occupying Romans and restore ancient Israel or restore Israel to its ancient glory. They didn't, they couldn't imagine anything else. So certain was the story in their minds that if you remember Peter, you know, Peter, the well-known disciple of Jesus, he reprimanded Jesus of all people. He reprimanded Jesus saying, hey, this is not going to happen. You're not going to die. He reprimanded Jesus for suggesting anything else. They knew what was going to happen. They had it all planned out. The story was practically written. The story was practically written. But then something unexpected happened. Jesus died and everyone was completely crushed. Now, again, we know the story, right? Jesus died and then he arises from the dead. But early on, way back then, they didn't have Twitter and Snapchat and all our technological tools to get the word out. So early on, people didn't quite know immediately what happened. And that's where we pick up the story for today. We're going to read from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 18. So I'm going to read it here for you. We'll have the words on the screen, or if you have your Bible nearby, you're welcome to turn and read along with me. But Luke 24, starting in verse 13, it's the encounter on the, the Emmaus road, or sometimes known as the walk to Emmaus. Starting in verse 13, it says, On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on the journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. Then one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place over the last few days? That line from the text really interests me. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? So they tell Jesus. I mean, notice this. They tell Jesus what happened and what they thought was supposed to happen. Later in the text, it says, we had hoped that he was the one who would rescue Israel. On this road of broken dreams, the two travelers had many hours to think about to wonder what went wrong, to wonder how they could have been so mistaken, to wonder what could have been. They were so certain. They were so sure they knew they knew how the story was going to play out. And now it was all over. And all they had left was the long, winding road home. And as they walked along in their hopelessness and their helplessness, all is not lost. The stranger, Jesus comes alongside them and starts talking to them. 
And though they don't recognize him, his presence is so compelling, his companionship so reassuring, that once they come home, they welcome him inside. And it's there, as they break bread together, that things start to become a little clearer. Jumping ahead in the text to verse 28 of Luke 24, it says, When they came to Emmaus, he, Jesus, acted if he was going to go on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire as he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? Well, here we are. Easter Sunday. In so many ways, we're like those travelers from long ago on the road to Emmaus. Everything we expected, everything we planned is out the window. In all likelihood, we're only at the beginning of this long and winding road with no real clue how long the journey will take or where the destination will lead us let alone how the story will end. But listen to this. No matter the coronavirus, no matter the economic uncertainty, no matter the societal anxiety, regardless of that, this one thing remains. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. We don't know how the story ends, but the story of Jesus that's the story that matters most. And we know how that story ends. In that story, Jesus is alive, walking alongside of us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. That's a story worth paying attention to. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're watching from this morning, whether you've been a part of Mission Gathering from the beginning or this is all brand new to you and you just scrolled on by on Easter morning or sometime even after Easter and you're watching with us this morning, I want to tell you that this is your chance to take control of your story. Now, in all likelihood, there are are likely several parts of your story still yet to be written that you'll have little to no control over. Macroeconomic forces, public health crises, socioeconomic anxieties. They will be what they will be. You can't control that any more than I can control that. But what you can control, what I can control, 
The story that you write for yourself and the story that I can write for myself is that the story, it's a story that God has already written for you and it's a story that God has already written for me. That God loves you deeply and immensely and personally more than you or I can ever imagine. It's a story that you are God's child, I am God's child, and God is working even now, coming alongside you, loving you, supporting you, doing everything to bring some good out of these challenging times. And that's, I believe, the story that matters most, and that's the story that we can count on. And when you know that story, when you live that story, when you allow that story to become your story, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. So remember that story. Make that story your story. God is with you. God is with me. God is loving us. God is walking alongside us through that story, through this time together, helping us write a new story.